hit the low hang? Yo, I told him to be wary of the low hang. He pulverized it. Ke Kevin, Kevin. Oh, man. Weisenheimer's Podcast. Weisenheimer's Podcast. I'm Cullen. And uh, we're joined today uh, by Matt Geiler, founding member of OG Weissenheimer. Yeah, OG. Yeah, from back in the day. Right. Some would call you the the founding member, as it was your sort of idea to get back uh, into doing uh, this as a group. Yeah, after the, uh, after the demise of our... <laughs> after the demise of our teenage iteration. Right, right. I made a phone call to Jen Smedley. Uh huh. You were doing you were doing gigs as um, as Billy Matt and Smedley at without the time. Smedley, right? Without Smedley, and yeah. then you finally put an end to that group, which was the last iteration of our teenage group. <laughs> right. Right. Once that had completely fallen apart, there was a little downtime to mm -hmm. recuperate, and then I called. How, how long was that that downtime? Can I ask that? I don't. I don't even know this. So I'm gonna. What's, ask. Yeah. What's the recharge on? I know that, that the last. I know that the last. Uh, the last show that Billy Smed and myself did was at the Papillion Bowling Alley, and that was the night after uh, Billy had plunged through a plate glass window <laughs> in, in O'Neill, Nebraska. Right. And then after that, and that was, was gone. Yeah, that was March seventeenth ish. Right. Yeah, that was... Uh, That's oddly specific, Monty, that you uh, know I, that. They were there for the... I know that particular story. We won't be going into that one, but... Yeah. Uh -huh. Because it's somebody else's story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was really. like, it was like March of 96. 96, okay. March then, of 96, and... Um, so it was almost a year, because mm -hmm. we you contacted me in then March of 97. Right. Because it's uh, April is the Weisenheimer's mm -hmm. birthday. Right. That's when we... April 5th, we, we had to send, that was the due date, to send in a submission uh, to the big stinking improv festival right. in Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. So on April 5th, the last, very last day, that's when we came up with the name and finally mm -hmm. sent all of our So stuff. you you submitted a audition tape to the Austin Improv Festival without ever performing as a group. Well, we performed together, and yeah, they but didn't accept a tape. <laughs> they didn't need a tape at the time, right? Yeah. yeah. They just needed a name. A and name a, and, a, and, a, like a, and a fee. And, yeah, a name, a fee, and sort of a background. And we had all that because we had performed together. Right. But but the first iteration as the Weisenheimers performing together mm -hmm. yeah. was at the Austin Improv Festival. Right. We right. didn't even perform in Omaha the first. No warm-ups or nothing. Um, no, because I, well, you guys might have gotten a warm up. You two, Smed and Matt drove down, but I flew down because, mm -hmm. uh, my finals were the same week. My like college finals were the same week that festival was happening. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the week was when I was graduating. I was walking, uh, I was walking across the stage in Hastings. So I had like little, I had no time. I think my graduation present basically for my parents was a flight to Austin, which is still stupid expensive because mm -hmm. there's no connecting. I mean, there's no. There's no real flights to Austin. Nobody flies to Austin. You fly to Dallas or Houston and then take a commuter over. Right. So it was dumb. But yes, our first our first on stage experience. And that was the was there four of you or three of you? Was three. Mark 
Okay. Marv Marv hadn't come out of his parents' basement yet. Yeah. He was still sequestered. (laughs) We we had tried to get him. Well, he just got a job with Otis 12 producing. Truth. And he couldn't take the week off. No. (laughs) So uh, I just... I'm gonna save. I'm gonna save the angry email that he's gonna give you of the. Yeah. What do you mean I was trapped in my parents' basement? I, no, it, that isn't exactly right. That isn't exactly right because we had we I had had a couple of conversations with him and he was like open to it. He just mm-hmm. couldn't come down to that. So yeah, was he? Thing. But he was at that time. He was a Weisenheimer. Yeah, he's okay. still he's still a fan. We just didn't have all four. Yeah, is is the way it was gonna be, and then. Um, then I didn't do another show with them for a year. We went back down to Austin again, and I was at that point living in Colorado. But mm-hmm. those three were all hanging out together, and, and I don't know if you were doing shows or not doing shows. I can't even remember. But they all were together. I flew back, or I drove back to here, and then we drove my car to Austin, Texas that year. Matt, our Marv flew down. down to get us. And then the third time we went down there... Um, I had moved back because yeah. of my dad being sick. I'd moved back from Colorado, was living in Omaha, and then we rented a car, and then all four of us drove down in a rental down to Austin, which was the first time that all four of us made that tr- that trip kind of together. We'd all been down there mm-hmm. before, but this was, that was our first real giant road trip. That third trip was the was the trip where we made a we made a nighttime stop at McDonald's, and I awoke in the car with a gigantic bump. <laughs> Yeah, and it, and it wouldn't go down in time for us to go in and order. So you walked in with the tent, and yeah. it, I just wouldn't go down. Well, yeah, no matter how many times he slapped it on the hood. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Isn't there a picture of us sitting on the hood of that rental car? <laughs> yes, with me and Smed looking very uncomfortable, and you having a huge smile on your face. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes, I. I'm. I'm learning things no. tonight about the hard on, but I'm. I didn't realize. <laughs> I didn't realize that the Weisenheimers had done the Austin three times. Three times, yeah. Yeah, I did not and then the thir- like the third time we knew something was gonna like we knew we probably wouldn't be back because there was a like they had done so many weird things at because this is the big stinking improv festival which is no longer there. The group that hosted is no longer there. I mean, it's just completely gone, but. That year, they had all these VIP areas that were roped off from the rest of us. And you just got this sense of, F these guys. This is such crap. And it was all about, like, oh, we got this industry here and this industry here. I mean, the first year we went down there, pretty much, I mean, they had talent scouts from the networks there. Um, but you didn't even know who the hell they were. They just kind of yeah. approached you, and you just didn't know. And it was tiny. I mean, it was, yeah, it was, the first year we went was the second year it existed, so mm-hmm. it was still, you know, kind of coalescing. Mm-hmm. And it, it, there was very little protocol to it, you know. I mean, yeah. it was just like, here's a sheet with the venues and the times, you know. And the, the, the venues that we were at were uh, the Velveeta Room, and then um, uh, what was the name of that place right next to the Velveeta Room? It's still there. Esther's the, Follies. Esther's Follies yeah. was like the bigger stage um, next to the Velveeta Room. But like Fred Willard was there, I think, the second year we were there. Yeah. Um, that was really cool. Uh, he he was like directing a group uh, and, and, and stuff. So it... It caught fire pretty quickly as far as festivals go um, in that third year. By that 
the third year of its existence, the second year we were there, because we were there two, three, and four. But by Big Stinkin' Three, it had started to get it started got starting to get big, but then by four it got stupid. Stupid. Stupid with its bigness. Full of itself. So that was yeah. 96, 97, 98, or 97, um, 98, 99. 97, 98, 99. No, 99. Yeah. Yeah. And then we didn't go down. But by the time we went down there for four, we were actually doing uh, gigs in Omaha at uh, the Comedy Lift or Joker's Comedy Club, whatever it was called at that point. Whatever that subterranean. Oh, Joker's. Yeah. <laughs> Strip Mall Comedy Club was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, now it's Sozu Coffee. That's the, the same location. But. Um, so we were doing stuff there, and we were doing corporate gigs around Omaha and Nebraska, and we were already doing that stuff. So we were already um, becoming the, the sort of Weisenheimers that we, we, we were by that point. And so also that huge you know trip was sort of, uh, you know, after that point, we were like, this isn't as fun anymore. Why would we make this trip? Because it's no longer... It's no longer fun, and, and we, and I guess too the the funny thing is is that first year we went down there it was uh, uh, they were a lot more welcoming to everybody, and then by the time we were there the last year, there was sort of that that uh, that coastal bias had already started with Austin being another coast, and I guess Chicago being a coast, but like that sort of big city bias mm-hmm. where people would be like. Uh, you guys are from Omaha, and we had you know huge chip had already started to grow, and we were like, yeah, yeah, watch, we're just about to gonna blow the yeah, doors we've off. We've been here since <laughs> the beginning, so yeah. and we're so were there blast. were there groups or teams that you know you saw the same year over and over, and there was a one group, a sketch group out of Oklahoma City that we became friends with uh, called One Hit Wonder. One Hit Wonder. Uh, I think honestly, the wise numbers of One Hit Wonder could have walked down the aisle. We could have all gotten a house together in, in California and made a go of it mm-hmm. yeah. uh, as one super group, because there weren't any of those guys that we didn't like, uh, and we got along pretty well with them, and they liked Smed. So I mean, it was all <laughs> <laughs> it's all well and good. They tolerated the three of us. Yeah. They tolerated the three of us, and they they certainly did. Mitch Baker and I get coffee. When when I lived in L.A., we would get coffee regularly, and when I go out there now, we always get together for coffee. Mitch Baker is such an incredible human being. I'm jealous the fact that you got to hang out with him all those years, because I I legit love him. And when we saw him like two or three years ago for their reunion. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so those that's those are the guys that I went, yeah, we went, went down, down to Austin for and, the... And, and saw their reunion, yeah. Uh, and then one other guy is uh, Chauncey. He's uh, the, the guy on the Aspen Dental commercials now, and he's yeah. also the guy who's cutting those ribbons on the Domino's hotspot okay. ads. Uh-huh. He's another one of the those guys from that group. Um, <laughs> So, yeah. I mean, those guys were funny. The, my favorite story about them was uh, they and Human Giant were up for one slot on MTV. They both had gotten sort of this, Yeah, we're going to see which one of you does a better show, and Human Giant got it. So instead of Aziz Azari in all those roles and being huge, and Rob Hubel being all these roles and being huge in comedy right now, it could have been those guys. Wow. They were called Backpack Picnic is what they... Yeah, their second that? iteration was Backpack Picnic. Yeah. They kind of coalesced back to Austin a little bit to shoot that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, there were some changes in, in personnel, but yeah. Yeah, the, the core of that group was still the same one, so. 
Yeah, and it was just, I mean, it's kind of sad because they just, let, their first deal was with HBO from that festival. Mm-hmm. HBO literally flew them to LA, put them up in a house for like a month and a half, and they were going to, um, for the the express purpose of that was when they when they did the U.S. Comedy Arts Festival in Aspen when that mm-hmm. used to be a thing and HBO was the big sponsor of it. Uh-huh. HBO was going to bring them and showcase them there at that comedy festival to the comedy community at large. So their goal was to sit in this house, write a bunch of awesome sketches, go do this show. Except that, well, the way Mitch tells it is he. Um, people from the from HBO kept showing up to the house and making suggestions about well you want to do this and this and this with a sketch and it kind of divided the group because there were some members of the group who were like this is what we have to do to do this yeah HBO was telling us we have to somehow figure out a way to incorporate it and then there was another camp and I think that was Mitch and you remember Dave Bewley? Yeah. yeah. I think it was it was Mitch and Dave and, and Matt Brown. Mm-hmm. And they were they were kind of the more less malleable of the group. And they were just like, no, man, they they you the, you brought us here because of what we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to get out of the house. I think I would have sided on that camp. So because I self-defeat myself all the time too. The way he tells it is they ended up in Aspen. And these two or three people, I don't know who they were, HBO had kind of gone around the end and been like, don't go to One Hit Wonder show. So they kind of became pariahs at, at this big festival. And then that deal fell apart. And then it was, um, I think the thing that happened, they did the internet radio, like when internet radio was... Like a new special thing. Yeah. 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 And they did, I don't know... It was something through maybe one, the, whatever was the forerunner, forerunner of Channel 101. Mm-hmm. They did like six radio programs, and then some people went back to, to Oklahoma. Some people went their separate ways, and then Backpack Picnic, I think, was like 2007. Yeah. So, I mean, it's they do brilliant stuff, you know? It's just, yeah. It, it's... Their album, we they they recorded an album, which of course we all we then thought we needed to do an album, which never got off the ground because we're an improv group and we mm-hmm. that's not something you oh, do yeah. an album on, yeah. So, but that was yeah, that was that was they were they were super great and and like I, I think a, a pretty good in like I think for us we looked at Oklahoma City and them as being. Uh, and Omaha is being sort of the same, and we were like, wow, "Chip on your shoulder, got yeah." And and hey, we've got there's a lot of talent here. That but their just... show was like these great sketches. They did four part barbershop harmony because a lot of these guys were like musical theater guys from from Oklahoma City College and um, Edmond Community College, and mm-hmm. so they had like this group that would appear in some sketches called the Soggy Rubber Boy but they did like these great harmonies it was amazing yeah and it was even funnier because because it was like it was funny lyrics but it was like spot on singing they like, sounded good yeah. Yeah, yeah there was no fall off between the two and they'd do these sketches and characters that would happen once and then a character from this sketch would like walk through another sketch 
So it was had a surreal element to a it. Very yeah, Monty Python style of mm-hmm. you don't need an ending of this sketch. The sketch will just bleed into the next sketch and it'll be fun. They would cut to a video thing. They would do. They were one of the first like improv groups I had ever seen that was doing like video sketches, kind of plopped into their show. You know, I mean, it was great. <laughs> I feel like we've spent a long time talking about them, yeah, however, yeah. but yeah. We uh, have a lot of content for the one-hit wonder tribute right, episodes. Right, yes. yeah. This episode will be <laughs> yeah. a little like, let's talk a little bit more about you and your journey. Though. Exactly, because you're, yeah. you're, you're more than a, a, a Weisenheimer. Let's get down to the journey. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. But you you've, uh, you've have a solo career. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do musical uh, improv. That's uh, my specialty. I would say you're one of the three best people in America, <laughs> if not the best that knows me. Um, hey, that is high praise. Thank you. No, I mean, I think that's I think that's a legitimate thing to say because I've said it to other people who do musical improv comedy, and they're like, "Yes, <laughs> that's correct." <laughs> Matt Geiler is one of the top three music. I mean, you're you uh, you you do workshops uh, and festivals. You do mm-hmm. festivals all over. You, uh, you you're with um, some person. Hold on, a, a, a Wayne Brada. You've, Wy- worked, you've worked with Juan Brada before? Yes. Juan Brada is a um, musical improvise from uh, uh, African-American yeah, yeah. game show host. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And uh, he also does a freestyle mm-hmm. uh, thing, too, that I do with him. Yeah, so Juan Brada. <laughs> Juan Brada gonna cut a bitch. Yep, such a good <laughs> yes. Yeah, such I've, a good I've uh, done a lot of tour dates with him. Um, I was a part of his uh, his. It's I, as far as I know, it's still in development, floating mm-hmm. out there somewhere. But he uh, was developing a musical improv show for the CW, so I was a cast member in that. And that's pretty high praise. Yeah. That's pretty. I, I think when people hear musical improv, they think Wayne Brady. Yeah. And uh, and He's so definitely we want to like make sure. That, top. Yeah, and we want to make sure that everyone realizes that you're right up there with him. That's. I mean, that's how you're. You're. You. Uh, you've done stuff with him. He. Uh, he spotted you and wanted to do stuff with him. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's. That was cool. I mean, that's that's uh, that's in comedy. That's you know that's a big thing. That's mm-hmm. uh, a and especially thing. for something so, uh, you know, like if improvisation is the, you know, kind of this eclectic weird stripe of the comedy spectrum, mm-hmm. and then in that you have this musical improv thing. This narrow discipline, right? You know that I mean, which and, and let's you you were talking about one hit wonder singing. You actually sing nicely. You have a uh, a good voice. Yeah, you are. You, you, you know what I mean? <laughs> like you, you, you can harmonize. Yeah, uh, when people talk about uh, you know in musical improv comedy, it's usually improv comedians who are forcing themselves to sing. Yeah. Or, or trying to sing, but they may not be singers. You're a singer. Can total, I can I be packet? Can I be yeah. honest with you about something too? Because uh-huh. this is a conversation that comes up in that in that world because there's the there's the there's definitely the school of thought and and it's I don't think it's bad because like at Second City in Chicago you go through their musical improv program they're just they're giving you another tool mm-hmm. to have in your bag and the whole angle of it is you know you don't have to be a great singer to improvise a song you don't have to be some kind of crazy lyricist to do it you know, but we're going to give you this codified kind of methodology so that if somebody, if that comes out, 
you can hit it and it'll be amazing. Mm-hmm. And that's great. But then there's this other kind of school that's like, you know, that I think I kind of fall into, which is I also like I don't want the so- I don't want the joke to be somebody's attempt to sing. No, you want the like I want yeah. good music, you know. And I th- you know, there's 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 some elements to that movement like there's a group called Baby Wants Candy. They started in Chicago, but they have a group in LA and that's an improvised musical. And so, you know, that thing came out of Second City's musical improv mm-hmm. program in the um, early 2000s. And it went up at Improv Olympic. And their whole thing was like, we want it to be an improvised musical, but we also want it to be like they wanted a good backing band. They want it to be good music. Right. And that was the first show that I saw where I was like, oh, that holds up musically, too. Like, yeah. I want it to be super funny, but I also want people to, to be like, that was, I like it if somebody is teetering on the edge of there's no way they made that up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like if it improv. Yeah. Which sounds weird because like, no. you don't want to cheat. Like you improvisers, you know, that's the whole thing. Like we get into it because we're like, we, we want to be celebrated for our spontaneous yeah. wit, but it, but if somebody's like, I just am having a hard time believing that that was all spontaneous, spontaneous. then that's where that's like to me the sweet spot. And I think, yeah, I know. I, I I think even in non musical, there's a there's a moment there where mm-hmm. when when you're in an improv show and it something happens that is so amazingly clicky that you're like, there's no way they could they they, they had to have planned that. Yeah. You know, and that's like the the beauty when when you're doing improv in a group or you know like the, I think in, um, uh, I think in truth and comedy that's one of the things they talk about is, real good improv is where the connections happen and they connect back and all this other stuff. Yeah. And then you, the audience member, are blown away that this intricate web has all tied in together and stuff like that. And it gets to a point where you're like, how can that not be planned? How did they, how did they not know that this was happening? 10 minutes later, yeah, you know, 10 minutes ago when they just, you know, it all comes together in such a perfect package. That's really good improv is when, when that happens. Um, we, we've never, uh, achieved that. Um, yeah, that wouldn't yeah. that be great. Sadly, we have never experienced yeah. it ourselves. Now, I, 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 let me <laughs> get back to, to, so with you and the Weisenheimers, yeah. it feels like you and Marv developed doing musical comedy in our act mm-hmm. when I was away. Is that right? Is that, cause it feels like I came back and then uh-huh. all of a sudden we ended our hey, show. Hey, look what we yeah, can do. Yeah. We ended our, all of a sudden Marv had a guitar every show and mm-hmm. we would end the show with, with Matt, uh, improvising songs, which was a great way to end the show. But I remember, like, I don't remember being around for when that happened. It's yeah. just all of a sudden we came back and Matt was doing it and I was like, holy shit, this is really good. Well, what happened was um, Marv, I had nothing to do with it, and Marv planned it in secret. And he came to me when you were out of town. Okay. And he said, he actually whispered it, and he said, here's what I want was as long as Monty is going to be away, I would like to develop some music that... He won't know about. Right. Until he's, yeah. <laughs> until Let's he's not tell back. Monty because he's terrible at singing. We always make fun of him. I think it just evolved awful. from the fact that because we were uh, roommates, we roommates at the time. Yeah. 
And so we you would had have his guitar. And yeah, you had your voice, and it and, just had to happen, right? And we would goof around a lot. Yeah. And I think he was like, you know, let's do it in a show. Let's yeah. do this in the show. I mean, because it was crazy. Uh, I because I it just like I remember I, that I'm when I say that it just all of a sudden happened. I mean it. So you know, all of a sudden, no, had no inkling that they were working on this. They just. I, you, I, like I had you, an like idea. You come back and like, and you're all sitting around doing the set list for the show. Right. And Matt and Marv go, okay, so we'll end with the song thing. And you're yeah. like, I'm sorry, yeah, what? what? What's that? What's the song oh, thing? Oh, okay. I haven't yeah, played I that game before. What's right. how's that game go? Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Well, I guess Matt's gonna do that. He can. And then Marv can. was like, oh, you don't even need to worry yeah. about it. Yeah. You, you just know. sit over here. You and Smed. <laughs> Be Here's the, what we're gonna be, do be for the, the next, awkward background yeah. singers swaying back and forth and trying to chime in when you can. For the next six years, you and Sma just go ahead and hang back and occasionally say, must be the money. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's what we need you to do. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so you, you've, you've gone on, you've acted, you've, you do, the, you do your, your solo stuff, mm-hmm. you've uh, toured as a stand-up, uh, yeah. you've done musical comedy uh, solo. Been on television. You've been on television. Uh, I've as had a, a career as a net, network news anchor yeah 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 here right here in market <laughs> 43 and, and 73 i think 73. Right, yeah that's dare, right. dare i say uh internet infamy yeah uh, you know you were like the, the as first uh, meme as as that uh, accused uh, abusive uh, boyfriend once said you were like the king of memes Ooh, yeah yeah some people i mean i'm i'm right up there every october the thrillist did a list like 2 weeks ago where they had the greatest 100 YouTube videos of all time, and that video is number 12. Jesus. And it doesn't. Ma- it makes no sense to me because I, I, a friend sent it to me. I was like, you know, did you know you're on this? You know, and so I'm scrolling through, and I was like, well, it's gonna be. 81 at best. <laughs> it was number 12. It was like ahead of. David Blaine's Street Magic. It was ahead of Leave Britney Alone. Wow. Those wow. are huge. Yeah. What about the lady that said, I'm not, and I said, not today. Yeah, it was. That lady? Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think of what, <laughs> the ones that were ahead of it were, were newer ones that I didn't really recognize. Like, it was above the original Cat on the piano. Yeah, Piano Cat. Uh-huh. That is so nice. But you know what? To, to me, though, Dancing Pumpkin Man is Halloween now, you know? It is. And it we is. had this we had this conversation a couple of years ago at brunch with, with Mark down in Austin where uh-huh. I said, it's synonymous. Even if I didn't know you, I would put that on my wall every <laughs> damn Halloween. It, it almost, it, it, it's almost like the whole, um, at the end of April, uh-huh. You start seeing the people, and then on May first, it's the people that do the in sync. It's gonna be May. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's you know how that kind of yeah. signifies spring, right? Dancing yeah. Pumpkin Man yeah. kind of signifies yeah. fall and Halloween. Yeah, yeah. Oh, most. Certainly. And I used to, I used to <laughs> like laugh as soon as Labor my Day ass is off done. because <laughs> I would be scrolling through blogs or whatever, and then all of a sudden it would around October. There would be Matt dancing, and I'd be like, "Oh my God, that is so that is so amazing." Yeah, it's real, and really like with um, younger. I mean, like my oldest son Edison is is fourteen, and so like his age and and younger, like those those people. I mean, college too, but like specifically those teen teens and tweens, like 
that thing gets shared so much as just a, a, a GIF or something that they they use it like in responses to things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They talk. They talk. They talk. Yeah, in, in and using it and gifts now and memes yeah. and gifts and so like some of them don't know it from the YouTube video. They know it as from. just this piece of. When I was when I was typing a git, when I was like in Halloween, like I think I typed Halloween in my phone, mm-hmm. and when you came up in my iPhone as a GIF, mm-hmm. I was like, "This is crazy." Yeah, I assume that your uh, your sons must only when they refer to you, they must only use that GIF, right? When they're like, <laughs> I, "Let me go ask my," and then they do the dancing pumpkin yeah. hand mm-hmm. thing. That's what I would do. Yeah, that's what I do back to them. You know, they're like, can I get this thing on Fortnite? Can I get this $25 skin? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you can. Now, now we have to include that GIF. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so people know why we're all laughing. Um, so you're, uh, you've, you've done pretty well for yourself. You're uh, you're a confident young man. <laughs> we we, we art, I don't even think we don't an even artisan. Have, an artisan. Mm-hmm. We don't even have time to talk about uh, the books. Your, your books, your yeah. illustrations, the, the entire, voice work, your voice work, the all the other things that you do that is amazing. We don't have time for anymore. Uh, Frederick, we, Frederick Julius, yeah. Frederick Julius, your your albums. We talked too long about one hit wonder. Yeah, <laughs> to plug all of your can, shit. Can we ed- edit that out? The one no, hit wonder stuff. No, I don't no? edit anything. Okay. Okay. All right, it's done. Yeah, Matt's got a book. We'll put the link uh, on Amazon. Matt's got albums. We'll put the iTunes link if we need to. It's fine. We'll put all of that in the show notes. Uh, but the thing is, this Matt, we're here for okay. a reason. Yeah. Okay. Is there was there any time where you weren't this amazing and cool? Was there any time that you can think of where that you thought? Ugh, yeah, I could. You think about it now. Or... You get a knot in your stomach because it's it's just too embarrassing. Oh, I have I have. <laughs> I feel like my life is a litany of those kinds of things. I, I mean, honestly, that there's a whole string of that stuff that runs parallel to, <laughs> to like the creative work. And I would also say it probably has kind of propelled the creative work because it includes like my attempts at you know what you would call regular gainful employment <laughs> or like straight jobs. That has been filled with disaster and embarrassment since my youth. So, I mean, it's really like, take your pick. So that's the cosine to your sign. That's what you're saying. It's the, that's the way you're for every uptick. If you take me out of the element of Uh like all this stuff we've just talked about, I become, and put you in a nine to five, an absolute (laughs) nincompoop. (laughs) I I become like an instant liability. Well, tell tell us about one of these times. Tell us a a time that sticks out that you can think of. Well, the one that comes for first and foremost to my mind that kind of really, I think in encapsulates this is um, in 1998 I had just moved back to Omaha from uh, New York mm-hmm. I, I was at American Musical and Dramatic Academy doing my acting conservatory training nice having a ball Upper West Side Manhattan crushing it yeah living it and then I ran out of money also <laughs> And so you're telling us that crushing it, it requires a budget. You need to budget. Well, it's like this. I mean, in my stage combat classes and my history of theater classes, mm-hmm. no problem. Uh-huh. You know, but we're in class like 45 hours a week. 
So where, you know, there's only like a limited time to work outside of the class, you know. So like when I was there, I was there on a scholarship, but, you know, I kind of had to fend for myself as far as like food or whatever. I was going to you, say, know? you got to mm-hmm. eat. You got yeah. to eat. You got to bathe and dress yourself. Um, so and anyway, there wasn't the kind of internet that would be around that you could just become a webcam boy on. Right. Right. This was this was ni- this was late nineteen ninety seven, early become 98. a window boy. Yeah. And yeah. actually, a, a super huge embarrassment led to me coming back to Omaha because in the middle of AMDA, one of my professors was like, "Hey, I'm going to get you an audition at Yale School of Drama because Ooh. you." need to be in that kind of a program this was a huge honor and it was actually kind of a coup because she had a friend on the faculty there mm-hmm. so she could kind of I didn't have to wait till March I could just fast go track. over there go up to New Haven on audition how I prepared for this audition was not at all and I also at the very last minute I think subconsciously I just didn't want to go do three more years of college uh-huh. But how it manifested itself was I went to Barnes and Noble. I got a book. Uh, it was like, you know, male Shakespeare soliloquies. <laughs> I went to the back and I'm like, oh, Coriolanus. I've never read it. This will be obscure and good. Not thinking that, of course, like the people at Yale probably have read all of everything. Like, <laughs> yeah. multiple they times. know their, they know their they, shit. They know what's going on. I have on. one of the original films. Yes. Oh, yes. Coriolanus. Yes. Yes. I did not prepare... Like, when I say not even a shred, it was not, it was less than that. And I showed up at this audition, and it was really one of the first times in my life, at least in the theater, that I, like, I was in the middle of this audition, and at one point, there's three people at this audition table, and at one point, I looked up, these words are coming out of my mouth, now it's like an out-of-body thing, like, I don't... They're coming out, but I'm not paying attention to that. I just notice that my hand is up here in this very histrionic, weird elocution card type mm-hmm. position. And as these words are coming out, the Coriolanus monologue, I'm like, why is my hand up there? In my head, I'm like, what are you doing? And at that point, I stopped. I was like, hey, I'm sorry. I, I have to stop. And the... You know, the auditioners, the main gal was sitting at this table with her hands over her face, just her brow furrowed. I'm like, this is awful. And I'm sorry because this is a waste of your time. And she was like, she was like, do you do you have anything else you'd like to do? You know, I'm like, "Uh, no, I don't. Um, I'm very ill prepared for this audition. I. I honestly am very embarrassed. I'm sorry. <laughs> and so then I came back here. I took a job at the copy center on 108th and Harrison driving a delivery truck, which the fifth day on the job, I drove into a low overhang, separating the cab from the front, from the back of the truck. Um, Was this because you also had your hand up? <laughs> Yeah. I was driving with hey, hey, what's that? No. As you're driving there, you're thinking, hey, what's that low bridge doing there? Oh. I had, well, I, you know, I was in a very bad place at yeah. that time. Yeah. I mean, I had my thoughts were elsewhere, but I crushed this overhang of this place over it. It was over in, uh, like, the industrial park, kind of like uh, between 84th and 72nd, like F Street. Mm-hmm. Some place over mm-hmm. there I was delivering toner. Mm-hmm. And I 
myrtleized this overhang. And this guy comes bombing out of the business around the front to the window, which I didn't immediately roll down. <laughs> he's just outside of the window, his mouth's moving, he's just like, what the fuck did you see inside? The sign says low clearance. I roll down the window, I'm like, I'm sorry, I, I'm not in a good space. <laughs> You know, I just I just moved back from New York. I things aren't going real well. And he's like, I don't care. I'm calling Kevin right now. So I get I take the truck back. I get back. My boss's name was Kevin. I come in and um, this truck is unusable now. I mean, I I went into this the thing. The whole it probably, top is off. It is. Like the steel that connects the cab to the back of the truck is rent. So the cab is like this. The, the back of the truck is like this off the side of the cabin. It's like wrenched. Oh, oh God. And there's a V-shaped space yeah. where it's been mashed backward. <laughs> so the whole drive back to the copy center is this horrid sound of... I get metal back there... Metal. I come in, Kevin is at his desk, he has his head down. I'm like, hey man, I, I'm sorry. I, I blew it, man. And he's like, well, you can't treat our trucks that way. You, you can't do it. And I'm like, yeah, I know, man, I'm sorry. I guess, I guess this is it. As, as a matter of fact, I think I said, I guess this is curtains, right? So you fired yourself? And he's like, no, but you have got to be more careful. <laughs> and I was just like, what? wait a second. <laughs> I'm still employed here. What? And he was like, yes, you get the other, get the van and finish your deliveries. I could not believe it. I just destroyed the, the man truck. needs toner. Get it to him. So he hired another guy to ride along with me, a guy named Ricky Menacucci, <laughs> Omaha South High graduate. Ricky Menacucci. <laughs> Ricky Menacucci. <laughs> He hired this guy to ride with me. Ricky Manacucci, if it was more possible at that time, was equally as inept as I. <laughs> and the very next week, we had to deliver a enormous Canon color copy. It was like a $45,000. It was like a print machine to somewhere. And we got it in the truck. And I was driving that day, so Ricky's back here, you know, locking it up and finishing it up. He comes in, he's like, let's go, man. I peel out of the parking lot, and I hear an explosion. An explosion, dude. I'm like, Rick, what? Was that the copier? And he's like, oh, shit, man. Did I not close the back? And I'm like, but... Did you also not tie it down? Like, <laughs> so we, we run back into the parking lot. This thing is shattered. Shattered in a million pieces. This thing, there's glass everywhere. It's like, I mean, it's like a bomb went off. It's yeah. an, it exploded. Kevin comes running out. Like, the secretaries come running out. He's like, what is going on here, guys? <laughs> and Menacucci's like, well, I don't think that copier is going to be delivered to them. <laughs> and he starts lighting up a cigarette. <laughs> and Kevin's like, you guys 
have got to tie these copiers down and close the back of the trucks. And in the middle of this, I lean over to Kevin and I'm like, so I'm fired, right? And he's like, no, we're going to. Just, we'll let the office uh, salesperson handle it, but you guys need to, he gave us a list of other things we need to go in my car and deliver. <laughs> and I'm just the whole rest of the day, I'm like, I can't believe, I I can't believe this. I'm you still just, working here. You yeah. just can't get fired. Uh, so that was kind of an embarrassing time. I literally, f- I didn't, I felt awful because I was destroying their capital in, Have you ever thought yeah. that maybe this was part of a tax dodge that Kevin was working on? Yeah. He just hired the two <laughs> most ridiculous people. Hey, let's uh, let's hire those two white kids with the ethnic names yeah. and, uh, and get it going. Let's get uh, Geiler and Carlucci. Yeah, Metatucci. Yeah. Uh, let's get the axis of power. <laughs> allies over here. Yeah. That's what oh I'm saying. God. Like, there's a whole thing where, I, like, I feel very competent in these certain things. But then there's this other part of me. It probably goes back to, like, me trying to be a real man like my dad. Mm-hmm. And it just never worked mm-hmm. out, man. Like, my dad was always the kind of person who could just, like, he's got, like, five nails in his mouth. And he, like, framed every house himself that we ever lived in. He, like, would drive a nail into a two-by-four with, like, one. Mm-hmm. So he's, like, framing, like, a thing in 15 minutes. And he's just, like, one of those dudes, you know? And I would... Be like, oh, that's a real man, you know, and then I'd go out to help him and I'd, you know, put a nail in my hand. It was, you know, I just Mm -hmm. never worked that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think maybe that's, you know, and after a while it becomes a psychological thing, you know, where somebody's like, hey, man, you know, call these people at your telemarketing job and I can't. Yeah. Even handle it. <laughs> you, you, you put the phone through your hand. I see. Well, Matt, but yeah, you're, you know, you're able to take a, you know, a a pickle and make a Jamaican song out of it mm, with, right. you know, like like that with nothing, but yeah. delivering a copier, forty thousand dollar copier. <laughs> That's a little you tough. know, which is basically getting in a car and driving somewhere. Right, is a little is a little. Hard. I will say this though, smoke. I've I've been in a car with Matt Galler where he was trying to deliver an improv group, and it felt like <laughs> we were going to explode <laughs> in somebody's. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason why for the better part of the uh, the Weisenheimer's career, I just chilled in the back of the van because <laughs> um, I wasn't allowed. Yeah, I yeah, wasn't allowed to drive. So on the on the audition, do you yes, think sir. do you think it was <clears throat> do you think it was the improviser in you that thought that you could just, you know, kind of because I, I find myself doing that anytime that I have to do something that I have to prepare for. Mm-hmm. There's that level that I'm kind of like, yeah, I, I can wing it, I can make it. Oh yeah, yeah, you know. So do you do you think there's a, a a level of that to that audition that you got? You know, you went in, you went in, you, you picked it out the back of the book. You know, mm-hmm. perfect. Read it. I got this. I I def- definitely, and I think that's pretty insightful because just kind of a part of my makeup, like personally, I'm you know div- divorced from like stuff you do and work you do. My wiring, I, I like the feeling of time is running out. Mm-hmm. Something big needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. There's, it'll, it'll be fine. Like I, there's something about that situation 
that I like. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in a situation like that audition where it has to be a very prepared theater piece, that's not the greatest. Yeah. You know, but there's other times where, like, um, I mean, you know, it kind of depends on the theater. Like, I got hired for some, a summer stock company until they found out that I lived nowhere near them. Um, you know, where I just came in, I, I literally jumped over the audition table and was making up a song, and they seemed to dig that. So I, I don't know, like, it's hit or miss, but I always have felt really like... I like it when there's no time and everything has to happen... And let's see if we can pull it together. Right. Well, and I think that's because you're you're in the moment, which mm-hmm. is what improv is, and sure. you're firing on all cylinders, and yeah. you're trying to make something out of essentially nothing. Yeah, yeah. I have another question. So, uh, did did Kevin owe your father <laughs> any uh, favors? Yeah, is, was is there Kevin like an uncle? Is that something that you forgot was, to say? Uh, yeah, was that how did did you age answer? Uh, like, were you the only one who showed up for that job? Um, and when you say that R- R- Ricky, Ricky was Ricky Menacucci, Ricky Men- Menacucci, Ricky yeah. when he was hired to just be with you, was that literally like a babysitter? Like, was it supposed to be a one man job? And he hey, Matt, there's into a low two- bridge coming up. Yeah, it was there. Thanks, like a Rick. <laughs> Ricky Menacucci. If if that was the case, he also failed because <laughs> Ricky Menacucci. Uh, almost every single day that we had deliveries. We would no sooner had we pulled out of the parking lot than Menacucci would be like, "Let's go down to Chops Bowl." <laughs> <laughs> like that was the fir- that was literally like the first thing he said to me, and I'm like, "What do you mean, let's go to Chops Bowl? We don't have to deliver anything to Chops Bowl." He's like, "Yeah, we're not making these deliveries till three. Let's go to <laughs> Chops Bowl." Many days we would go to Chops Bowl, eat chicken fingers, and hang out there. Until like two in the afternoon, and then, and then we'd like speed all over Omaha. Like, I saw him. <laughs> I saw him when I was driving one day. He had a like a armful of these toner cartridges, <laughs> and we we're running out of time. And he like took him into like Midwest Minor Medical or someplace. A woman opened the door. I saw it from the from the car. A woman opened the door. He didn't go in. He hurled them through the door, like eight of them. They're like this big. They were for the, like one of those ancient copier, copiers. He threw them. He pro- they were probably unusable after they hit the floor. He threw them through the door and ran to the truck. And deliveries are made. Yeah. The dishes are done. Dude. I don't know, man. I just I think he. Yeah, there was the thought of maybe, like, you're part of an unwitting plot, too. <laughs> you don't know about. Maybe you're just a you're a, a, a clueless cog in an in a evil plan. But I, the line that Kevin did draw was one morning I came in and I had been, like, at Eli's or someplace dancing the night before. <laughs> I didn't change my clothes. So I came in this crushed velvet shirt. You remember my silver yeah. vulcanized rubber pants? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> remember all of that? <laughs> that was the line we used to, We used to force Monty to buy show clothes at Gadzooks. <laughs> because early in the Weisenheim, some, it was probably me or Smed, maybe both you. of us. It was We're you. like, let's be color coordinated mm-hmm. like a boy band mm-hmm. and we'll each have our own version of the color. Yeah. 
And Monty's initial version was to wear like all black with like a colored undershirt. So like we're doing orange, and then he would do that, and that's as far as he would go. And then at some point we're like, you got Monty, to, you got to do more, man. I don't want to do more. You got to do more. You need man. more pieces of flair. Yeah. But I came in wearing those pants and my earrings, and on my way in the back, he he rolled out of his office. He had seen me, and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What is this? He's pointing at my shirt, and I'm like, this is a shirt. And he's like, absolutely not. And these earrings have got to go, and you have to go home and change. And I was like, or... I, at this point, I'm like, is this the thing is that you're going to fire is me? <laughs> and he's like, or you're done. And I'm like, I'm done because I look like this, but <laughs> not because I destroyed <laughs> thousands of dollars of your stuff. He's like, yeah, man, you, if you go, if you don't bother coming back, if you're not going to change. And I'm like, I'm going to go take a nap. And that's how my, I was never technically fired from the copy center. You just never came back. I, I, you're, you're probably still on the rolls. You, I immediately went home. And so how long was your t- your tenure at the copy center? I was there for two and a half months. Two and a half months. Uh, two and a half months. I was at the data transaction network for two and a half months. Uh, I was at the Papillion Times about two and a half months. Um, how, long, how, how long did Ricky last? Was he let go before or no, after? R- Ricky's still there. Yeah. Ricky, Ricky's, so Ricky's a manager. Yeah, Ricky's, Ricky's Kevin's boss. Regional manager now. Yeah. I don't know what happened to Ricky Menacucci, man. Well, he's um, only re- listened to this podcast. Call. Shout out to Rick. Shout out to Menacucci, Omaha South High Packers. That guy lived on like 33rd and Vinton by the grain elevator down there. Yeah, nice. <laughs> he's like old school. Those are some nice houses. They got really nice woodwork. Yeah. <clears throat> I've been in a couple. A lot of embarrassing things. Well, uh, that is pretty embarrassing. That's and a, we've a certainly plethora. made Yeah, you've you've made us laugh. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna improvise a scene now. Oh okay. we're gonna show you how it could be worse. And we have to ask. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you wanna play yourself in this improvised version of it? Do you wanna play a different person? Uh, do you want one of us to play you? Uh, it can be anything you want. I want you to play me. Oh, then I'm just going to be forced to do that that fake Matt Gallagher voice that I do. <laughs> you, you know do what? It, you do, he does a very I want good it so Matt. Bad. He does a very good Matt. For years, Monty and I would do these voice. We would do the voiceover thing, and we would not. We never worked at the same time, but we always worked with the same producers and engineers. And eventually. We like one day I was working with Chris Acker or somebody, or maybe it was Steve Armbruster. Somebody said to me, He's like, You know who's got a great Matt Geiler impersonation? Monty Ike. And the only thing, this is when I realized that you were doing impressions of me because the only time I ever impersonated Monty was at his prenuptial dinner. Yeah. Yeah. When I was forced to by his own family, yeah. and it was a one-off, and I did it, and I have to admit good. it did kill. It was it was pretty good. Probably more because of just the situation. You know <clears> what <throat> I mean? Uh, because my impersonation <clears throat> of Monty is not like spot on. His impersonation of me is better than my impersonation of him. And then I then I'm standing in this vocal booth, and he's like, "Yeah, Monty Act does a phenomenal impersonation <laughs> of you." I'm like, "Does he?" <laughs> Does he does he impersonate me while he's working on these jobs? Like in a professional setting he comes in and he like does the copy and then he's like, by the way, guess who this is? How did 
And how often does he do it? So then I started impersonating Monty, trying to get it back to him. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So so we have these impersonations of each other, but we never do them for each no. other. Yes. <laughs> no. So I want you to do me. That's fine. Here's the thing. Uh, every time I spend a significant amount of time with you, yeah. I come back to my house and my wife goes, why are you talking about that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Mel, Mel, look. We've got to. We've got to get this right. And she'll be like, why are you? Why are you talking like that? that I only assume. I only assume <laughs> after good. you spend time with me, you go back and do an impersonation of me, and your wife is like, "I don't want to hear that uh, from you, Matt. Yeah, I don't want to hear that." Yeah, I come I back and she's it. like, "Have you changed over the laundry?" And I'm like, "Well, I couldn't get because it was like on the floor." <laughs> <laughs> This friendship is over. <laughs> this podcast is at its conclusion. <laughs> and we bid you adieu. All right, that's fine. So, all right, we're going to oh, make yeah. it worse now. So, uh, here's how it works. I'll be you. Okay. Um, you can be any uh, uh, buddy in the in the scene that you want to. Okay. Uh, Cullen, should we should we do both situations? I the, think we, we just we just let it start and wherever it goes. <laughs> should we should we do you want to start with the uh, the audition? Or? I think so. Okay. I think because that was the that scene like the linchpin in the story. Right. Sure. Okay. <clears throat> so do I... Okay, okay I'll just... <clears throat> Doth I uh, do <laughs> what thou wishes I do? What? <laughs> Look, I'm sorry. I know I've only said three words that aren't actually Shakespeare, but I can't... I can't do this any longer. I've got both my my hands up and... Why are you on your knees? I... For this... Uh, I mean, I, I don't understand. This is, why this is Yale? I... I... I thought... Well, I only... Do you know the Bushes went here? Even Jeb? <laughs> I think so. We have a proud history, Mr. <sighs> Geiler. Thank you for pronouncing that right. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> you know, I just... Did you... It seems like you went to, like... Borders? Books a million. Books... No, it was, it was Barnes and Normal. It was Barnes and Barnes Noble. and Normal? <laughs> you went to Barnes and Normal. It was, it, was, it was not even Barnes and Noble. Just Barnes and Normal on 5th Avenue. And I... I didn't even buy the book. I just sort of tore this page out of the back. And I'll be honest with you, I think it's an appendix. You you def you defaced a Shakespearean book for this audition, Mr. Geller. <sighs> no, that's that's not right. Uh, look, I can I just put my pants back on and we'll please, just call this please. A day? Uh, the patent leather is was <laughs> while it might be a nice touch, uh, it does it it is uh, gross and abhorrent. I'm just. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go back uh, home. Just, I'm just gonna go 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 back to the mud puddle that you crawled out of, and and think about what you've done. You are definitely not Yale material. <laughs> you know what? That's fine because SNL only hires from Harvard. Go Bulldogs. <laughs> 
<clears throat> yeah, uh, no, uh, Marv, I'm, uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna catch a flight and, uh, and go back. I was just wondering if you would want to, like, I don't know, move in together in a barn. Matthew, when you say move in together, do you mean, like, are we living in an apartment together? Just, are you, deep? are you... There's not enough room in my parents' garage. No, no. I thought maybe you and I would get a place outside of your parents' house, and then we would live together, and you would occasionally do my laundry. <sighs> Marvin, are you on the phone? I gotta go, Matt. My mom. Marvin! Is, she's watching. Dinner's ready! It's Thursday, so WWE is on. We, I have to go. The Undertaker's coming on next, Marvin! You know what? Meet me at the Taco Bell on Sunday morning. We'll talk, but I have to go. Marvin! I'll, I'll talk to you later, Matthew. Uh, I guess I'll have, uh... Uh, soft shell talk. Is it still fifty nine seventy nine ninety nine? Yeah, okay. yeah, it's fifty nine seventy nine ninety nine. You okay. want uh, uh, you do you want the soft supreme? shell two two soft shell taco supreme supreme? Okay, and then just beef. like chips and yeah beef. Okay, and then just like chips and cheese, uh, nacho bel grande. I don't know what that is. It just it. Well, we got chips and we have cheese, or we can uh, supreme them. Would you like... Yeah, that's just whatever. Yeah, the, all of that. Here's a five. That'll cover it. Of, of, of 479. So my, my dad has a Can place. I get your first name? It's Matthew. Hello, Matthew. Marv. Yes. Thank you. very early. I know. No, we had to... said chips and cheese. We had to... <laughs> these guys aren't oh, even getting, ready. Oh, just, you're getting the uh, the chips and cheese. Well, uh... Yeah, and two, two Taco Supremes. I, before we get into the improv, I'd like to... Uh, I've been thinking about this for a while. I'm going to open a disaster-themed Chinese <laughs> restaurant. It's called Oh the Hunanity. And I think you're really going to dig it. Anyway. You were saying. Matthew. Matthew. Think that's... That's me. I'm just going to get some Pepsi now, too, I guess. Uh, oh, wait a minute. I'm not doing pop anymore. I'm on a break. Okay. Okay. All right. Marv, my dad's got this place. Yes. You and I could live there. We can do improv at night. You could decorate it with pictures of sitcom casts. Hmm. It's going to be great. All right. I mean, I honestly, this does come at a good time. I'm looking to, I mean, as you know, I've been in my parents' house for a while. Yeah. Okay. But the, here's the trade-off, though. Okay. okay. <laughs> Sorry, that was my Monty impression. I was doing his laugh. The trade-off is you have to start showing up at the radio station on time. I can't I, keep calling you. Marv, they pay me in CDs at Z92. I know, I, and I it's can't. very unfair. I, I get it. But if you but could yeah. just make an attempt. I'll be Otis 12's sports guy for the next nine months. But I tell you what, I got to get a regular job. I got this interview with this guy named Kevin today. I'm gonna oh. I'm gonna run toner places during the day, so I mean that's gonna be tiresome. Oh, great. Well, um, I guess that's cool. Or Ma Matthew, sucks. Matthew, I if you've had your if you had your tacos yet, we uh, yeah. Joey in the back lost a band aid, 
and we just need to make sure that they're all accounted for and he was making your tacos so hopefully you don't have like a big day ahead of you or anything but we just need we need to check to see if it's 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 colored blue so it's so that we can find it easily in the food because we don't have anything here at taco bell that's oh hold on it's in my gum there, there it is. Joe, Joey, we got it. All right. That's gross, and I think we're done here. I'm going to go back. Good. Okay. Thanks for moving in with me, Marv. No problem. So, anyway, I was doing uh, acting in New York, and now I'm back. And Can you drive? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you I can. can. I, you yeah. can. I can drive. Yeah. I, need, I need guys that can drive. I lived outside of Waverly, Nebraska you, growing you, up, and you, we would. I had my dad had this huge <laughs> Galaxy 500. I would drive. Yeah, I, no, I could drive. Do you, yeah. Are you breathing? Are you alive? Because uh, basically, I just need a warm body that can drive, that can get the toner to the places that I tell them to go. It's yeah. not that hard of a job. Matt, Mark, Matt, 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 Matt Geiler. Matt Geiler. Matt, 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 Matt Gelger. Matt Geiler. Matt Gelger. Matt Geiler. Gelger. Geiler. Gelger. Geiler. Gelger. Kevin. Look, <laughs> it's an easy job. I tell you where to take the toner. You pick up the toner. You deliver the toner. Maybe every once in a while, if you if you can handle toner, we'll move you up to paper. If you can handle paper, we'll move you up to a, maybe more paper, like a ream. You'll get a ream, maybe a box. If you do good with the boxes, listen to me, Matt. This is important because without toner, there is no copies. And with no copies, the world stands still. Do you understand me? Yeah. Well, I mean, what, what? All of a sudden, people are gonna be able to send things electronically? You know that's not gonna happen. No. Okay? okay. Paper yeah. is life, okay? You do good on paper, we're gonna move you up to maybe copy, copiers, okay? I got one, I've got one quick question though. Is there a tape deck in the, in the, in the van? I like to listen to my Beach Boys. I like to harmonize. I like to sing along. Occasionally, I will hit like a high C. Occasionally, just go right into my falsetto. Matt, I, I, I don't. I don't. I will hit that to let you know I can do it. Matt, I don't give. I don't. I don't give a shit if it's high C or if it's fruit punch or whatever it is you like to drink. You get the toner to where I tell you to go. Okay? Because if it's one thing that Kevin does, is Kevin delivers. Okay? Yeah. All right. Let's let's do this. All right, look, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be a jerk, but, you know, I just got to fill this position because I'm tired of delivering this stuff myself, okay? <laughs> so you could basically do anything that just don't, just don't kill anybody. Well, I take that back. Let's, let's just, let's just feel it out and see what happens, okay? Can you, can you do that for me, Matt? Yeah, what, this first delivery, what is that, uh... 87th and F. Yeah. I could, yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's a, there's a printing place there. A little warning there. Uh Uh-huh. It's kind of, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a, a through the river and over the woods or through the woods and over the river kind of a thing. There's a low pass, Matt. Be wary of the low pass. Like a, like an awning. Go deliver. Okay. All right. Be wary of the low pass. Do, 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 do. Oh, oh, what? Oh, that's, that did not make the kind of noise I thought. But, oh. Well, hey, buddy. Uh, did you not see the 
the bright yellow sign overhead that says low clearance. Hold on, just let me just roll down the window. Hey, sorry about that. Uh, that's my that's my bad. That's my bad. I just I just moved back from New York and I'm kind of in a kind of in a weird headspace. I don't care. I'm calling your boss Kevin. Look, don't don't call Kevin yet, okay? I'm calling him. No, no, come on. I'm calling him. Don't. Let me, right now on my enormous just, um, walkie-talkie. Copy shop, this is Kevin. Oh, God. Uh, Your driver just ran into my building. Oh, hey, Billy, how's it going down there? Did we get you that toner like I wanted you to? I had the toner arrive, but your car, your truck's coming back in two pieces. Hang on what? to your ego. Wait! He hit the low hang? hang yeah, I told him to be wearing the low hang. He pulverized it. Ke- Kevin, Kevin. Oh, man. Tell him to get back here uh, ASAP, and uh, in his big city terms, that means as soon as possible. We click also say ASAP. Look, Kevin. I don't want to hear it, Matt. Look, <laughs> that's strike one, okay? <laughs> strike one. You got it? It's strange. Okay, okay. How, is there still three strikes? We're not talking. I don't know. I just like to, to, to strike. Maybe what, I got. I got. I got my my cousin here. Fit. Carlos Guard Manacucci. It's Rick, me. Ricky. It's Rick, me, Ricky Manacucci. Yeah, Ricky Manacucci. Ricky Manacucci. <laughs> okay, he's gonna watch you. All right. I, why does every this is this why is you every person that I meet have a name that doesn't sound real? <laughs> why is it that every per- no one believes these stories, Kevin? Because none of these names sound real. What? My name's Kevin. That's a real name. It's that, a real that's name. Not, that, that's not made up. Now, if my name my is two Alan, good friends are Marv and Monty. That doesn't sound real either. <laughs> well, I'm just telling you. What's your last name, Kevin? James. Okay. Starnsbury. Starnsbury. Of course, it's Starnsbury. It's Kevin James. James is your middle name. Starnsbury. Kevin, I am Kevin Oops. James Starnsbury, and the Starnsberries taste like Starnsberries. Okay. I wondered why the name of our business was Oops All Starnsbury. Yep. <laughs> yep. This so is I got Ricky here. Ricky Medaducci. Okay. Medaducci. Medaducci. Okay. So, Ricky, so when I look out the window. If I see Matt, I better see Ricky. If I see Ricky, I better see Matt, okay? I don't care if you guys gotta go and take a crap together. You guys are connected at the hip, okay? All right, that's fine. All right, so I know you you messed up your first gig. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna give you, the, I'm gonna give you a second gig, okay? I want you, I'm moving you up to copiers already. <laughs> You've done so good. Kevin, Kevin. That I doesn't this seem cup. like it. Look, that Matt, doesn't seem like a good idea. Matt, I need to get this. I was copier. a member of Squirrel and Quill. I know a bad idea when I see one. Matt, I need to get this copier to Minicucci's family, oh. and I'm doing air quotes. Okay. <laughs> All right. This is a very expensive copier. Sure, it's just an $800 copier that I picked up at Target, but what's in the copier is what's more important, okay? This is some precious cargo. Do you understand me? I'm tired of swallowing balloons, Matt, okay? So we, I've got some bricks of toner, air quotes again, that I need you and Ricky to deliver. All right. 
Yeah, I can do this. I can do this, Kevin. I got three rules for this copier delivery. Okay. Number one, secure the copier. Mm. Secure the package. Ricky, are you listening? No problem. <laughs> Number two. Oh, hold on, I'm going to write this down. Se- hold on, my handwriting takes a very long time. It's very nice. <laughs> Okay, rule one, secure the copy. Secure the copy. Number two, shut the back door of the van. I know that seems like a, like a pretty much a, a, a simple thing to do, but you would be surprised how many people forget to shut the back door of the van. And number three, well, I can't remember right now. So just worry about those two. Fair enough. We got it, boss. But I've already put three down because I number first. How about number three? Don't screw up. Don't. Okay. Don't. Do you like your kneecaps, Matt? Because if you don't, mess this job up, okay? Now get out there. Get out there on the mean streets of Omaha and deliver this. I'll drive. Do you want to do the copier? No problem. Okay. Here, I've written this out. Let me just tear this out of my planner. Here you go. All right, man, let's go. All right, let's let's go. Drive foot to the floor. Ricky, what'd you do? That that sounds like a copier. Holy shit, dude. Did I did what in the love of Christ is going on out here? You didn't even make it out of the parking lot. God, um, Mr. Starnsberg. I got, I got bricks of toner, air quotes, blowing around in the breeze. I think some of it got in Mitchell's coffee. Mm. He's out there flipping out. I don't think this delivery is happening this afternoon, you know? I, strike two, I, Matt. That's two strikes. Okay? Two strikes. Get a broom and sweep this up. I don't know if I can... Ricky, be careful of the glass. There's glass everywhere. And the last thing I need to do is have you cut yourself. You got it, boss. <sighs> Go Packers. <clears throat> all right. I finally got all of the toner swept up. And I've delivered it to Eli's like you asked me to. <laughs> In these whoa, 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 sandwich whoa. bags. Hold up. <laughs> what are you wearing? Well, I was going. Is that to... your copy center uniform? Uh, well, it's a crushed, crushed velvet shirt and uh, patent leather silver pants that are too tight for 1998 standards. Looks like he's also got a couple of earrings in there, boss. I do, and after I delivered those toner, I've got a deviated septum too. It's there, I could put a pen right through. It's not good. Hold up, Matt. Calvin, you son of a bitch. Don't piss on the floor over there. Is that? That's that's strike three, Calvin. (laughs) That's strike three, I know you're old, but that's strike three. I don't know what it means, but it's three. Matt, you go home and you go put on your, your uniform or... Kevin, I've never felt so alive as I do when I wear these pants. <laughs> Look, I'm wearing my roommate's boxer shorts. It's an inside joke, <laughs> but I'm doing it anyway. I'm wearing my roommate's boxer shorts. <laughs> I'm wearing these pants that I bought in a mall in Marshall, Minnesota. 
and I'm wearing a crushed velvet shirt. <laughs> I've never felt so... As a matter of fact, I think I'm going to go frost my tips today. I'm doing it. It's happening. I'm going to cut my hair into the world's tallest flat top. I'm going to push it to one side, and I'm going to frost these tips. I can't do this anymore, Kevin. No, I t- don't, don't you run out on me, Matt. I tell you what. You hit, me, you hit me right here, Matt, with that little speech. Where am I pointing? Right in your heart. Right in my heart. You hit yeah. me right in my heart, Matt Geller. Right in the heart me, Matt. Right? Ricky. Ricky's got it. That a boy, Rick. Let me... Tell let you me. what. Tell you what. I'm still calling this the, the copier strike two, but I'd like to keep you on. I think you're going to go far in this industry, man. I don't think this business is going to be around in a week. Well, I don't think you have a choice. <laughs> you, uh, I see you in upper management. That is a terrible idea. You will live out your <laughs> you will live out your life running copier and toner for the rest of your life. Matt, when people say Matt Geiler, they they're going to think of toner and copiers. And they're going to think about the Midwest's regional manager. Yep. For toner, paper, and all your copier needs. Yep. That's what Matt Geiler is going to stand for. You keep doing what you're doing, Mr. Geller. And I'll tell you what, the, well, this is the limit. This is it. This is all I got for you. But I'd like to keep you on. I think that is the worst thing that could happen to me. <laughs> Rick, Rick, what do you think? I could see him being the regional. But you know, at the same time, a guy's got to do what a guy's got to do. You got to listen to Mana Cooch. You know what? I'm going to go home. I'm going to get rid of these pants. This shirt, every bit of clothes that is not beige... I'm going to get rid of right now. I'm going to tell my roommate that I never want to hear his guitar playing again. That's what I'm going to do. Do it. This is great. I'm going to go find some plain brunette and marry her too. That's what I'm going to go do. Okay. I'm out. Thank you so much, Kevin. See, Matt, it could have been been worse. worse. You could have never been fired from any of those jobs. Yes, you could have stayed at those jobs. I could have stayed on. And you could still be living with Barb, right? Yep. There's, <laughs> could be, there'd be, there'd be, be no blowers. No he wasn't the Julius. problem. I was the problem. I, can I just say one thing? I'm really no. proud of me and Cullen. This is the first show that hasn't involved teenage girls. Yeah. And it could be Okay, well, you better clarify that. Yeah. As far as impressions. As, as, far, as, <laughs> as, far, as, making, as far as making something worse, mm-hmm. teenage girls always make it worse. But I think for you... You okay up there, Calvin? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a little sad we're, you admonished him we're in, in uh, the improv scene. We're in, we're in Matt's living room of his lovely house. And, yeah. Uh, Calvin, his, his dog, seventeen-year-old dog, he's is, barely hanging on. This is is this is his Florida. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He is so adorable, though. He's very cute. Yeah, Matt. I think. I, do you feel better about that time? I mean, every one of those failures brought you closer to what you're where doing you are now. now. And I yeah. and I I just want to say I feel like that got a little in, inceptiony because <laughs> because Monty was doing Matt in front of. Matt doing Marv <laughs> mm-hmm. to where I just sat there and was like, this is the best thing ever. Yeah. You, what, the thing about the, that foursome is like when you spend as much time together as we did communicating as indirectly as we did, <laughs> as much as we did, it's, it's, I honestly like, we all have different 
impersonations of each other that yeah. we never do for each other. No. Uh-huh. It's always in these combinations of... When the mics are off, we'll do Jen Smedley for each other. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah. Because Monty does do a mean Marv as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's because Marv and I have basically the same voice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Marv and I had that radio show together, and it was just probably the worst thing that anyone listened to. Monty's Marv, I think, is is more vocally spot on because your because your voices are very similar. My, I don't really have his voice, but my whole thing rests on his, you know, the thing he does where he's like this. Yeah. <laughs> It's perfect. You guys can't see he's doing a perfect Marv facial expression. You also have a really good... He's uh, still going to get that angry email from Marv. He's going to be mad that we're doing it, but it comes from love. You guys were roommates, uh, you know, I... That that period, that magical period in the mm-hmm. early two thousands, um, we were every we were each other's social lives. Yeah, I don't think anyone realizes. Like I, we none of us had kids. We right. were all in our twenties, and we literally spent every waking moment. Like Melissa and me, and Marv and Matt and Smed was in uh, uh, Lincoln for the first little bit of it, and then when she moved, we were all just together. Mm-hmm. All of the time, we were our only uh, our only social life for a while, and then you you uh, and then you met uh, Jenny and, and all this, stuff. and we were just all together for like such a long period of time um, before that bitch moved to California and ruined everything. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that was I was nobody laughed when I did that. Monty, well, I feel like you guys okay. really worked through some stuff tonight. Yeah, like oh, watching yeah. it from the outside, sure. watching you two go at each other <laughs> was. Uh, you know, I, I think I think some 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 uh, scabs were healed. I think so. Tonight, I love you, Matt. I love Thank you. Thank you for doing the show. Thanks for having me on it. Yeah, appreciate Colin, it. Colin, I love you too. Yeah, I could I could sit and listen to Matt tell stories and enunciate names forever. Nobody believe you're right when you say nobody you, you believes. You do. You have every story that you tell. Just name some of the most ridiculous names in your well, life. Well, who was your who was your coach? We stood out in a in a parking lot and right. you told me you did the impression of your coach that would like he would like flick his Oh yeah, that was Mark Cordis. Yeah. Mark Cordis. Uh, Mark Cordis, uh Lon Hoppel, my science teacher. Uh-huh. Irish Johnny Lawler. Um <laughs> You know, my was friend Kevin's last name really Starnsbury. Starnsbury, yeah. and he, Oops, my friend, f- friends growing up. You know, Chad Schlotfeld, Craig Berlowitz, um, Buff, Buff Radel. Yeah, uh, that's a real name. Yeah, Buff Radel. And I've met most of these people. I can I can tell you these are real people. <laughs> but what I what I think is the best is that his manager's name was Kevin. Like yeah. it's just, just it's just like such a random name. Yeah. But even that seems made up. Like mm-hmm. yeah. Ricky, oh. Ricky Manacucci. Ricky Manacucci yeah. was uh, like you can't. I'm gonna look up Randy Ricky Manacucci. Yeah, is he on Facebook? Right, we're gonna find him. Yeah, I think he is actually. I think I actually found him once. He's if he's still working in a copier place, it's gonna be great. All right, uh, we've got to wrap this up. Yeah, this is like a four hour. This is like the longest one yet. Monty's gonna have to edit something. Mm-hmm. No, probably not. No. Okay. I don't got time. No. Uh, so we'll be back in three weeks, and I think uh, in three weeks we'll be doing a very special uh, uh, episode with no guest uh, in, in three weeks, and then we'll, we'll get back to our regular stuff. But thank you so much. Well, thank you, Thanks, guys. Weisenheimer love. Yeah. Triangle. We should, <laughs> we should probably turn off Weird. the Yeah, stop recording. Okay. 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 Okay.
Are you... There's not enough room in my parents' garage. No.